to worship. The words are going to be on the screen, and I'm going to cheat and use a book up here because I can't see them. Um. Christmas comes upon us, there are little things on here. Most of these aren't more than 10 maybe $15 per card, so you might want to take more than one. Um, but little specific things, because sometimes it's hard to remember when you've got that list of what we're collecting this month. When you're in the store, you forget. But if you've got that one little thing, the only one thing you've got to remember, unless you're like me, when you go to the grocery store and you come out with 40 more and forgot that one thing you went in for. But if, you, if you'll pray about it, see if God leads you in the direction to, to take one of those, and you can just put them under the tree when you bring them in. Thank you. All right. The 
thank you for being here tonight. Please take your Bible and turn to the book of Psalms. So, you didn't, was there another song, Donna? That, okay, all right, good. All right, good. Um, while you're turning, let me just say a little bit about the Piedmont Baptist Association. Uh, some of this will be new to you, maybe not, but uh, we have, we're in the second year of a two-year emphasis I'm calling the comeback. It was come back to the Lord, come back to church, and then come back to evangelism. We are now entering the last months of the comeback, and so two things that you could be involved in, if you would just continue to pray about this, one is on Sunday October the 2nd, Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock in Easley, we're having an old-fashioned evangelism rally, uh, and we're having, we're going to meet at the Old Town Square there, the amphitheater in Easley, where they do all the fireworks and all of that, and we're going to have some great music and some great preaching. Dr. Matt Queen, who's chair of evangelism at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, we're doing the preaching and so what I'm requesting is that you would just move your Sunday night service there to the amphitheater in uh, October, praying that it will be a nice October day for you to be outdoors and worship. And then on Monday through that week, um, the churches are going to be involved in simultaneous revivals. don't know if Brother Mark had talked with you about that, but I hope that you would be and have you could combine with another church or two or three churches, uh, you could do your own. I know that some of the churches are combining to do a revival effort. And um, maybe Brother Mark, before he left, had already put some of that into motion. I'm not sure. I need to <clears throat> talk to them about that. So be praying about as we come to the end of the comeback. And I call it the comeback because coming out of COVID, churches were very low. Folks had not come back. And I said, you know, it's time that people come back to the church and come back to the Lord. It's time the church comes back to evangelism. Now, the second thing I want to mention to you is about a retirement party for Joyce Suddeth, our associational secretary, who has been the secretary at Piedmont Association for 45 years. When she was talking about this, telling the association council her plans to retire, one of the pastors on the council said, you know, you've been secretary here longer than I've been alive on the earth. And she said, well, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. But anyway, Joyce is retiring. And we want to give her a good retirement send-off. And so on Thursday, October the 10th. Is that the 10th? I don't have my calendar. Somebody check your phone. Whatever that Thursday, I believe it's October the 10th. Yes, the 10th, October the 10th. It'll be at Rock Springs Baptist Church where she and her husband are members. So we'll have a meeting there at 7 o'clock. And it's going to be a retirement thing. If you want to write her a card or a note or if you've had any dealings with her, I know she's been a part of your church on various occasions for different things. And so plan to be a part of that retirement celebration for Joyce on October, I'm sorry, November the 10th at Rock Springs Baptist Church in Easley. Now, that's my public service announcement for tonight, so thank you for letting me say that. Now, let's look in the book of Psalms, chapter 37. The book of Psalms is one of my favorite books of the Bible. 
fact, I suggest that you uh, spend some time reading in the Psalms every day. Read through the Psalms and then read through the book of Proverbs, read through the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, and gain wisdom and insight. Uh, some great truths are presented in these verses. Psalms 37, the title of my message tonight is, That's a No-No. If you've had children, if you have been around grandchildren, sometime or other you say, No-No. One person said they were eight years old before they realized their name was not No-No. <laughs> uh, maybe that's an exaggeration, but knowing him, it may not have been an exaggeration. But that's a no-no. So there are things in this verse we'll look at <coughs> that I just want to share with you tonight uh, about the Christian. Now, when I say that, he's not talking here. When I say that's a no-no, he's not talking about... Um, moral sins, but he's talking about things that can come into my life and yours and rob us of our joy, our peace, and our happiness. So let's read chapter 37, beginning in verse 1. Now keep your Bibles open because I want to refer to a good many of these verses, but we will only read the first five verses. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down, and light the grass, and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord, and do good. So thou shalt dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Look at that verse carefully. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Well, what a promise. We'll talk about that more in just a moment, but let that seek in. Two things, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, the truth is, when you delight yourself in the Lord, all you want is the will of God. You want what he wants. Your desires are the same desires as your heavenly Father. Now look at verse 5, and that's our last verse for tonight. Commit thy way unto the Lord, and trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Well, what tremendous verses these are. Now, the, this psalm is for saved people. Blood-bought children of God who've been saved from sin on their way to heaven. He's not talking about those who don't know the Lord, but he's talking to believers. It was intended to men and women and teenagers and boys and girls who know the Lord, who have a heart for God. So he says some things here that I want to just talk about with you for just a few minutes tonight. This psalm tells us and teaches us about how we should react when things come into our life. And it also teaches us the things that, the, the way that Jesus reacted to things. Now, following up for what I said this morning, God's will is that you and I be like Jesus, that we talk like him, that we think like him, that we act like him. And so this psalm will help you grow in that process. It seems like sometimes uh, that we wonder how everything's going to turn out. 
we wonder sometimes, well, am I going to make it? And sometimes, maybe we don't say it out loud, but maybe we ask ourselves, uh, will, will I get through this? So this psalm says, I'm going to summarize here for you. This psalm says, for the child of God, everything's going to work out all right. Everything will happen just the way God has planned and desired. Now, sometimes it seems like perhaps it does not pay to serve God. Now, I know it does, and you know it does, but sometimes it might seem like it really doesn't pay to serve the Lord and trust God. This psalm shows us the secret of happiness. It shows us the secret of how to overcome worry. What have you worried about this past week? Now, don't tell you, say it out loud. When I asked this morning about, have you had a fight before you came to church? I don't really want anybody to answer that. Well, what have you worried about this week? Perhaps maybe things have crept into your mind and into your life and into your home and some things have caused you to worry. This verse shows the secret of Christian happiness and Christian contentment. Look just for a moment at verse 16, for example. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of the wicked. Psalms 37 is a complete cure for worry. For example, verse 3 says, trust in the Lord. Now, if you'll do these five things, now, are you understanding? If you'll do these five things, I promise you that you're, if you have an issue with worry, if you're a worry wart, this will help you deal with that. It begins with step number one, trust in the Lord. Verse three, trust in the Lord. So that's the first step. Secondly, verse four says, delight thyself in the Lord. So you trust in him, then you delight yourself in the Lord. That word simply means to just get happy in Jesus. Just delight yourself. Just get excited about Him. Now, you can't get excited in the Lord until your mind is on the Lord, and you can't get your mind on the Lord until you get it off the things of the world and the things of this earth. So focus on the Lord. Did you know that you can have only one thought at a time? It is impossible to think more than one thing at a time. Now, you can have a lot of thoughts in rapid succession, but literally, you can only have one thought at a time. So make it a thought about Jesus. Keep your mind and your heart focused on Him. Now, look at verse 5. That's the third now. I'm going to give you five things, and this is just sort of the warm-up. This is the introduction. So the third thing, the third step in overcoming worry and dealing with all that is in verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Commit thy way to Him. Verse 5 again. Commit thy way unto the Lord. So you commit your way to the Lord. Somebody said it this way. What you can change, change. But what you cannot change, don't worry about it. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Just commit it to him. Say, Lord, I just give this to you. I can't change this or I can't change that. You can't change how somebody else acts or reacts. You can't change the way they are. You can't change the way they behave. So just commit your way to the Lord. 
it was probably six months ago I put a thing on Facebook and I post very very little on Facebook but I put a thing on Facebook about an evangelism training event that we had in the PBA a part of this the comeback and I just put on there this training it was going to be on a Saturday morning and was going to have a great first session with five break uh, six breakout sessions and it's just a little thing with some little what I thought very good graphics and artwork professionally done put that on there and you would not believe at the bitter response I received from that now nobody from around here it was all somewhere else but just I mean just it, it just amazed me for a moment I said I, I can't believe that folks would be offended at this kind of thing and would take it to the point to say the kind of things they're saying just about some evangelism training that we're offering and my thought was folks if you don't want to come stay at home don't get upset because we want to have some training I mean just um, as simple as that <clears throat> so he says commit thy way unto the Lord you can't control what somebody else does and thinks and behaves and reacts to just commit your way unto the Lord lay it upon God God here it is and you take it you'd say the fourth thing is in verse 7. Rest in the Lord. Now, there are five things I'm giving you about how to deal with worry and not be a worry wart. So, number four is rest in the Lord. Just rest in Him. Now, that means more than just sitting down and. Ah. Remember that old guy on TV years, years ago, some program? He used to come home and say, I need to unlax for a while. Not a good grammar, but we knew what he was talking about. It's not that kind of rest necessarily. And it seems the older I get, especially after COVID, sometimes my energy, it just goes. I get up sometimes thinking, man, I could take on the world. And by the time I get tight through tying my shoes, I know I way overestimated that. And sometimes we just have to sit down and rest. Working in the yard. I could work in the yard for hours at the time, work in my garden hours at the time, and now. I find myself sort of just dragging with half the stuff done. It's a good thing to rest sometimes, isn't it? Have you ever come home just so tired? You're so tired you just can't sleep. I said that to somebody one time. They said, now, Pastor, that doesn't seem right that you can be so tired you can't sleep. Well, I think you can be so tired you just can't rest. So what the psalmist here is saying, rest in the Lord. Just let him take your heart and your life and just realize when you sit down that you are in God's hands and you can feel confident in that. Just rest in him. When I was in elementary school, there was a guy, for whatever reason, was a bully to everybody, but in particular, he was a bully to me. I was probably in second grade, maybe. And this old guy's just mean, just... Maybe he was not as big as I thought he was, but he seemed like he was as big as a football player. Just, and there was a little bitty run of a guy in the second grade, and just he just bullied everybody. But one day he was picking on me. Just I was just about ready to cry, to be honest with you. And I looked around. I saw one of my older brothers, who was bigger than him, stronger than him, walked up and said, leave him alone. <laughs> That's all it took. I never had to worry about that bully anymore. And I could rest in because I knew that my brother had my back. He was my protector. It doesn't matter how many bullies there are in the world. If you've got someone who has your back, 
Well, this is what David is saying. Rest in the Lord. Now, the fifth thing about worry now is in verse 34. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. If you find it hard to wait about things sometimes, you get so anxious, you're so wound up in knots, and you just uh, don't have a whole lot of patience. Are you like that guy that said, Lord, I want patience, and I want it right now. Well, sometimes we, we just have our time waiting about stuff, just waiting, waiting. When David says, wait on the Lord, what he's saying is this, don't run ahead of God. Don't lag behind him. Just walk lockstep with him and wait on God to show you the next step, to show you the next move. Now, that's something that particularly you need to think about as a church especially as you enter this transition phase, just waiting on God and letting Him guide your step, step by step by step, so that you don't make a bad call and you don't make a bad decision. Just wait on the Lord. A big part of what I do as director of missions is dealing and helping churches uh, when they don't have a pastor. And one of the things that I say to those churches is this. The worst thing you could do is get in a hurry. Just wait on God to call somebody. Wait on God to show you the person God's already selected. Now, can you think about that just for a moment? God already knows who your next pastor will be. He also knows, is this the one that he has selected Or will you run ahead of God and choose somebody that's not of his choosing? God already knows who the next next person will be. So my suggestion to you, verse 34, wait on the Lord. Let him guide you. That doesn't mean you wait forever. God won't take forever. But wait until God moves and then you move. Wait on the Lord. So this psalm has the answer no matter what you may need, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you will face. So let's look at the no-nos in this verse, some things that we ought to ask God to take from our heart, take from our mind, to take from our life. Look at verse 1, and I'll be as brief as I can with this. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. So the first no-no is fret not. The word fret means to be mad or sad or morose, to be peevish and sullen and gloomy and go around all the time with a cloud over our head. So the Lord says, don't fret. Don't fret over those things. Don't fret. Now, there are two reasons that the psalmist says that causes people to fret. Number one, he talks about in verse 7, the mysterious prosperity of the wicked. In verse 7, he talks about that. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently. Fret not because of him who prospereth in his way. You're sitting there and you're wondering, why am I trying to do the right thing? Play by the rules. Obey the law. I'm trying to be a godly person. I'm trying to do the right thing. And I struggle. And I hear, oh, there's that person who doesn't care about law and order. He doesn't care who he hurts, he doesn't care who he lies about, he's out for number number one, out for himself, and he just keeps on climbing and climbing, and it looks like everything he touches turns to gold, and it looks like everything I 
I touch turns to rags. Some people feel that way. You, you can get, if, you, if you look at others and compare yourself to them, you can get fretful about that. So he says, don't do that. So people fret about the prosperity of the wicked. Why, God, would you let them prosper like that? And what the psalmist says, don't worry about that. You just follow me because they'll eventually leave it all. They're going to die and their life won't be remembered. Whatever they've earned and lied and kept and, and cheated to get, somebody else is going to get to spend that money somewhere, someday. So don't worry about it. And the second thing that you'll see here, he said, don't fret about the hatred of the world. People that dislike you for no apparent reason. Not because you've been mean or ugly to them. Not because you try to offend them. But folks don't like you because you are a believer. You're a follower of Christ. And they just mark you with that old lunatic over there. It goes to First Baptist Church. I mean, So David here says, don't fret about those who hate you. And you're hated because Satan is the instigator. And Satan hates God, and he hates everything that is of God. And if you are of God, Satan will hate you, and the world will hate you. So don't worry if they prosper and you don't, and don't worry about their hateful attitude. Fret not. And then he talks about fear not. Fear not. There are two kinds of fear. There is... Fear of physical fear, something will happen to you. And there is moral fear, not knowing what's going to happen. And because of that, there are two kinds of courage. There's moral courage and there's physical courage. But he says, fear not. You can get afraid of a lot of things. Did you ever notice that you get fearful of things in the dark when you don't see it? You can hear it, but you can't make it out. You don't know exactly what it is. It causes the hair to stand up, maybe on the back. And you get fearful about something. You hear a noise. What is that? Or some motion that you don't know what it is. And you can get fearful about that. My daughter was in the ninth grade. I remember it very distinctly. Ninth grade. And she said to me, Daddy, she said, I want to have a party and have some of my friends over on Friday night. So we talked about it. I laid down some ground rules, and she said, okay, I have a Bible that I agree with that. So we, the party was on. She invited her friends. I said, now, one of those rules is they all have to be gone by 11 o'clock. And so her friends showed up. They had a great time. We had some food and all that kind of thing. So one of the guys that she started school with and graduated with, uh, his brother dropped him off at our house, and then the brother went on to pick up his girlfriend to go on a date. Now, the brother was supposed to come back at 11 o'clock and pick him up. He's off with his girlfriend. He's not thinking about his brother. And 11 o'clock came, and Caleb looked at me, and I looked at him. He said, I think my brother forgot about me. <laughs> he said, I'll call my dad see if he'll come and get me. So old Caleb called his dad. His dad just lived a little, a little piece away. So he came and picked him up. And about 1 o'clock, I was in bed asleep. Somebody turned in my driveway. The light came in. It kind of woke, uh, woke me. And I looked out there, and I could see Caleb's brother standing out there by the lamppost. He had picked up some little rocks and was throwing them up to my daughter's bedroom window trying to wake her. 
And I thought to myself, does he think Caleb's up there with her? What's he think? So I just trying to wake her up. And, and so I went out the back door, came around, and he didn't know I was anywhere around until I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, what do you think you're doing? I learned something that night. A car will peel rubber in reverse. I mean, he was out of there and nothing flat. Fearful. <laughs> Lynn said, Daddy, you embarrassed me. I said, well, he, he needed to be embarrassed, not you. We get afraid about stuff. We were in a building program once and building a brand new complex, a multi-million dollar building. And so every day I'd go over there to about just about sundown, looking around, see what they'd accomplished that day. And so one day I was over there, and the, the power was not on yet, and I'm walking through there, but I heard a car pull up, and I looked at that, and there's Brother Watson, our minister of music. So I stood back over here in the what was going to be the choir rehearsal room. Oh, Watson came whistling down through there, and just as he got there, I said, where are you going, Watson? <laughs> Again, man, he was out of there. He said, he was in his car before he stopped, and almost frightened and scared him to death. You get afraid of things in the dark. Things scare you. Psalmist says, fear not. So what, what caused you to get afraid? Well, some people fear death. They fear the idea of dying, the thought of dying. They just fear death. But if you're a child of God, you may not look forward to death, but you don't have to fear death because you know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, let me go on record saying, I want to live as long as God will let me live, but I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of dying because my heart is right with God. Some people fear the judgment. They fear the idea of standing before God and being judged to be examined. I had a brilliant college student in my Bible class on one occasion one of the things I miss about being a director of missions is interacting with college students. I had a strong college ministry. I was teaching a class, and a very brilliant young girl, young woman, was in that class. And I was talking about our lesson that Sunday morning was on the judgment seat of Christ. And I said, can you imagine this? I said, you're standing before God, and all of a sudden on that huge, giant screen across the universe, God writes down every sin that you've committed and he plays the video of you doing that unconfessed sin. So Tammy began to cry. She said, Pastor, there are some things I don't want anybody to know about. There are some things I would be ashamed, I would be embarrassed of. And I said, well, Tammy, I have good news for you. You can confess it now. If you confess it now, repent of it now, it's wiped away and it won't be remembered again. That gave her a great deal of peace. Maybe you need to hear that same word that I shared with Tammy that morning. Some people fear the judgment. Some people fear men. Fear what people will say and what people will think. Some people say, well, what would, that, what would everybody say or do if I said this or if I did that? And they don't take the right stand because they're afraid of what somebody might say or might do. Here's what it says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 29. The fear of man bringeth a snare, being afraid of people. So don't be afraid of what somebody might think if you take the right and godly stand. Don't be afraid of what they might say or they might do. Just put it in the hands of God. So the, the point is, Matthew 10, 28 says, now paraphrasing, 
don't fear man, but fear God. Fear not. Some people fear insecurity. Some people fear failure. Some may fear having to face God. Amos told the crowd in his day, the book of Amos in the Old Testament, prepare to meet thy God. Let me mention another faint, uh, another forget not. Forget not is that one. Another no, no. Forget not. Forget not. Forget not. So there are some things that the Bible admonishes us to not forget. Don't forget this. Don't forget some things. Can I mention just two or three? First, don't forget the Bible. The Bible is God's Word. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. So don't forget the Bible. Thy words, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So don't forget the Bible. Don't forget God and who he is and his role in your life. It seems to me that our nation has forgotten God. The things that made us great as a nation, it seems that we've abandoned, we've turned away from those. It seems to me that that's the case, but I'm saying one thing I want to say to you is don't forget who God is. Don't forget his love for you. Don't forget your loved ones, your family. Don't forget those who loved you before you even had a name. Don't forget there are people who pray for you, who love you. Don't forget that. And don't, don't fail to show your love and appreciation to folk. Miss Andy was my prayer warrior. One church where I pastored, Miss Andy was a godly woman, probably weighed 110 pounds in her best day, just a small little woman. And when I knew Annie, her husband had died years before she had one child, and she never remarried, but she worked most of the time two jobs so that she could provide for Sylvia, so that Sylvia, her only child, would never lack for anything. She worked hard and provided for Sylvia, but it seemed to me like, Sylvia now is a grown woman, it seemed like Sylvia was a little bit ashamed of her mother. Her mother was a godly woman, a prayer. I could go, if I had something I wanted somebody to pray about, I'd call, I would call her. And I would say, Miss Annie, would you pray with me about this? Annie, would you pray with me about Oh, yeah, I'm praying right now, Pastor. I went to see her one day, and she had one of those freestanding oil heaters, Mill Village House. Y'all remember, remember those? And it was so hot in there, I could hardly break. Candles on the wall had kind of melted. And she said, Pastor, if you're cold, I can turn the heat up. No, man, please don't turn it up anymore. And he got sick. Went to the hospital. She'd been sick before, but this was different. We knew, the church knew, she probably wouldn't survive this, this sickness. I was in a room one day, and she said, Pastor, would you make sure that Sylvia knows that I'm in the hospital. Now, Sylvia, her only child, lived a mile and a half away, but never went to see her mother. Would you make sure that Sylvia knows that I'm in the hospital? I said, yes, ma'am, I'll go by there when I leave the hospital. Went by Sylvia's house and knocked on the door. I said, Sylvia, your mother's in the hospital. She's critical, and she wants you to come see her. She said, well, if I get time, I'll run by there. The next day, I was in, in, in Annie's room again. 
And she said, Pastor, did you let Sylvia know that I'm in the hospital? I said, yes, ma'am. Has she not been to see you? She said, no, but I sure would like to see her. I sure would like to see her. I went by Sylvia's house again that day. I said, Sylvia, she said, I told you. Cut me off. She said, she said I told you I'll try to run by there. And I said, Sylvia, I want to, your, your mother's dying, and she wants to see you. And she said, well, if I have time, I'll go by and slam the door. The next day at the hospital, Ms. Annie said, I sure would like to see Sylvia. Sure would like to see Sylvia. And she took her last breath. Sylvia never came. Never showed up. At the funeral home, the casket was here. Sylvia was standing there, and she was, oh, she was caring, crying out. And I just got, I got angry. I just, I, the only way I can tell you, I just got angry. And I walked up to her, and I said, Sylvia, you're not fooling anybody. Your mother's dying wish was for you to come and see her, and you're too busy to go a mile and a half across just a few streets over and see your mother. You're not fooling anybody. Don't forget your loved ones. Don't forget your family. Maybe there's somebody you ought to call tonight. You say, Mom, Dad, I love you. I appreciate you. Now, they may drop dead when you say that. I don't Maybe there's a son or a daughter or a grandchild that you just need to say, or a friend. Just say, you know, I thank you for your input into my life, for blessing my life. One last one, and we'll close. Faint not. Faint not. The word faint is not where you sort of pass out. I had a cousin one time who would faint at the most inappropriate times. I saw her once in a funeral home line. She was standing there, and, and th she was not even very close to this deceased person, but uh, she was kind of a, a theater, theatric kind of person, you know, the drama queen. And, and I watched her, and I kind of got amused because I know what's going to happen. And she, she looked around to see if somebody could, uh, could catch her from, and she just collapsed backwards into some guy's arm. She didn't even know. She just fainted. That's not the word he's using here. That's not the word faint that he's talking about. The word faint means spiritual weakness. It means giving up, throwing in the towel. It means coming to the point where you just walk away. Faint not. Don't quit. Finish well. Don't give in. So, three things. One, faint not when it comes to prayer. Don't quit praying. Don't give up. Don't give in. Stay at it. Stay on your knees. Stay before God in your prayer life. Faint not when it comes to trials and tribulations. Talked about that this morning. Faint not. Don't quit. Don't give in when it comes to serving God. Don't quit serving him. One of the, my life verse from Galatians says, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Don't stop serving the Lord. Now, I know there's just a handful of us here tonight. If you talk to folk who've been connected with the Liberty First Baptist Church for a very long time, they might would say, well, I remember when the pews were filled. 
Or they might would say, I remember when the parking lot was filled. I remember when all the classrooms were being used. It's easy to get discouraged when we think about what used to be. What this psalm is teaching us, don't quit. Don't stop serving God, even if everybody else quits. Don't stop serving God, even though the numbers might be small. Don't stop serving God because I honestly believe, listen to me, I honestly believe that your best days as a church could be right ahead of you. Your best days could be just around the corner. Don't stop. Don't quit serving God. Don't throw in the towel. Keep on serving Him. I know it's weary. I know you get tired. I understand that you say, well, why does somebody else? I know they should, but don't you stop just because they stop. Well, some no-nos. Be strong in the Lord and of good courage. Be not dismayed. I want you to stand with me for just a moment with our heads bowed. And this is the invitation. The altar's open. If you, we won't have any music. I don't no singing. Just the altar's open if you need to come and pray. If you feel the urge, feel free to do that. But while you're standing, would you just say, Lord, help me not to be fretful and fearful and help me not to faint. Help me, Lord, just to be consistent in my daily walk. Would you pray for your church? Would you pray something like this? Lord, keep us strong. Keep the wolves away. God, would you direct us for your glory? Would you pray, Lord, give me insight and wisdom and discernment and direction when the time comes to select the search committee? Pray right now that you would have discernment as you nominate people. Pray for those who are nominated that God would open their hearts so that God would orchestrate it so that the people he desires to be on that team would be on that team. Pray that right now. Would you pray right now that you personally would be able to make an impact on somebody's life this week? Would you pray right where you are? Lord, help me to say something, to react, to act in some kind of way that would point to Jesus, that make an eternal impression on somebody. Father, as we come to the end of this day and the end of this service, Lord, help us to take to heart the admonition, the encouragement in Psalms 37 as to not to worry. And then, Lord, help us not be fretful or fearful or forgetful. Help us not faint. Lord, you know the hearts of each one here tonight. You know each, each need. And Father, I pray this week would be a great May we see you. May we encounter you along the way and be a blessing to others. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.